listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Hey, kind of, kind of looking around the room, we're in uh, mid-October. Just be honest, like simple confession time. How many of you are a little tired? It's like a little bit tired? Yeah, like most people in the room are like, I, I'm tired too. And so here's, here's the beauty of it. Uh, this is a, an okay place to, to be tired. You don't have to act like anything else. Uh, maybe you've had a few exams already or classes that are kind of kicking you in the teeth a little bit. Like this is a place that it's okay to just admit like, man, uh, this has been a rough week or I've been studying a lot. It's been hard. And so just wanted to start with that. Like if you're, you're tired, hey, like I am too. But the beauty of it is that when we come together um, as the body of, of Christ. Uh, many of us in this room are Christians. We get to read the word of God, to worship him through song, and that maybe we're physically tired, but in a way, uh, what we've seen throughout Christian history is that it is spiritually energizing. It is a beautiful thing to, to come together as the body uh, and be encouraged. And so I hope you're on that same page with me. So glad that you guys are here. Who's excited for the retreat this weekend? Yeah, I am too. That's awesome. One of the things, um, can I get one of our staff to close those side doors and back doors just when you, when you get a chance? Thanks, guys. Um, one of the things that I like to look back at and, and think about is really since late kind of teenage years, mid to late teenage years, through early 20s, mid 20s, and now in my late 20s, uh, there have been uh, a lot of life lessons that I've learned, most of them through humiliation, <laughs> like learning things the hard way. But I would say, a way that I could sum up life lessons that I've learned is in this phrase, I don't know what I don't know, <laughs> right? And so here's, here's, my, here's my fault, is I can come into a lot of things with a, a head full of confidence, but a head empty of competence, you know what I mean? And so I, I can think that I am 100% qualified for something of which I have no experience or skills for whatsoever, all right? So whenever I think this really started coming up is whenever I got my first job in high school. And I was a grocery clerk at a store called Brookshire's Grocery Company in Sweetwater. Any of y'all heard of Brookshire's? I think you're, you can say Brookshire's if you're really Texan. Uh, but Brookshire's is how I choose to pronounce it because I'm so formal. Um, anyway, so at Brookshire's, I was a grocery clerk. And what that basically means is you do everything that the manager doesn't want to do. All right. <laughs> and so one of the things that I was asked to do was I was asked to mop up spills and things like that. Well, uh, one day there was a, a spill, I think it was milk or tea, which was probably my fault. I probably was stocking and dropped something. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. So I uh, was mopping up the floor. But the thing is, is like head full of confidence, never really, I didn't pay attention to the training videos of how to do it properly. So mop the floor, like, but not just the area where, it, you know, that the spill was like, there was this massive area that I mopped, like that was just wet. I didn't put the sign in a place that was visible, right? Wet floor sign, right? And so um, I, I mop the floor and I'm walking away and about 10, 15 seconds later, I hear this thunk, ow, and I turn around, and there's this poor lady who's like on the ground. It's like, it's like this, like she gone. Like, and I, look, I walk up closer and I notice like her toe is bleeding. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this escalated so quickly. And uh, me being the competent person I was went up and, and said, ma'am, I'm, I'm so, so sorry. Like, are, are you okay? No, I didn't ask that. You know what I said? Did you not see the sign? <laughs> Guys. 
That was the worst thing I could have said. All right. So this, this escalated something way more serious than it should have been. I, I should have known how to clean floors. I should have known where to put the sign. Guys, the two really funny parts about that is that the next day when I come in, I discover that thankfully I left. That, that lady brought in her boyfriend to beat me up <laughs> just for saying that. The next best part is remember when I, <laughs> remember when I told you her toe was bleeding? <laughs> well, I think she just had a mani-pedi that day and had like a fake toenail. <laughs> I was sweeping the floor and I saw her toenail on the floor underneath the aisle and just kind of kept going like no one saw it, just, just didn't say a word. And I'm confessing it to you now, you know, how many years later? 12 years later, there you go. Um, so now you know. Hey, a situation in which, right, I didn't know how to clean the floor. I didn't know what to say in a circumstance where a lady falls. Guys, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I, I, I've experienced that with exams. I, you, you've done this before. Oh, I got this. And then you get to the exam and you look at the first couple of questions like, I don't got this. I don't got this. I do this when I'm trying to fix my truck. Like I, I thought that I knew a lot about trucks and I was looking at it, it wouldn't start. And I was like, man, yeah, it's, it's done. It's, it's totaled, you know. Like a couple of hours later, this guy shows up and just twist the top of the battery terminals just to tighten them just a little bit and it starts just like that, all right? And so I paid him 80 bucks just to do that. It was awesome. Anyway, so many things in life, I hope you resonate with that, that I've discovered, man, I don't know what I don't know. I come into things with a head full of confidence, but very little competence. Now, now I've done throwing myself under the bus. Um, we've, in this apologetic series, we've covered a lot of different topics. We've covered uh, the, the topic of, that, that, there, that there is evidences for the existence of God, that, that, that God can still be good, that God is good even when we experience human suffering and when we see evil and, and sin in the world. We've talked about how Jesus, when we, especially when we compare him to other religions and when Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that that has to be true. Like he really is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and even last week, we talked about good uh, support for the reliability of Scripture, and sort of my heart's burden tonight is that I'm wondering and I have this tension inside of me wondering if many of you um, think that you know everything there is to know about Christianity. Maybe you've come into this as a skeptic or you've come into this learning a lot. And, and the reality may be if, if that's all we ever talked about, if, if you could only defend that God exists, if you could only defend that scripture is reliable, if you could only just intellectually agree that Jesus is the only way, then I'm afraid that you're in a situation which I find myself in a lot is that you don't know so many things that you don't know. Because the thing is, is that we have not asked the most important question that we could possibly ask with the most important answer that we, we could possibly be given. So here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that in my humble opinion, if you could take out everything else, if you only had to know one thing, only one thing that truly mattered before you died, if you could have access to one little piece of information, know the answer to one question, it would be this question. And that is, what do you need to know to understand the gospel? What do you need to know to understand the gospel? See, the gospel, I say the word all the time. It literally means good news. And for, and for Christians, we understand this is the greatest news. And the greatest news, the content of that greatest news is how God being in our lives and intervening in our lives actually changes our life eternally and forever. 
That's why it's great news. It's because God is just not in addition to your life. He's not just something nice to talk about. He's not just someone that makes you feel good when your semester's not going well, your day's not going well. He is the best ultimate reality you could ever have access to. And the gospel explains the greatest news, the content of how does this God change your life? I'm interested in knowing the answer to that question. Let's look at it together. I love that the first worship song that we did, For God So Loved, because we're going to be in the exact verse that that's from. So y'all, y'all turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to go through this later, but what you should know is the context of which this was written is Jesus is talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a religious leader. He came to Jesus by night, asking him lots of questions about the kingdom of God, and, and, and Jesus is giving him the answers. Okay, and what you need to know is where this passage ends uh, in, in John chapter three. We don't exactly know until later what happens to Nicodemus, but just know just like the skeptic that we've been, we've inviting skepticism into these questions of the faith, of the Christian faith, Nicodemus was a skeptic. I love it. As we're in our last week of this series, we're, we're looking at scripture or, and we're examining a skeptic questioning Jesus. It's just, it's, it's good timing. So John chapter three, verse 16, many of you can quote it, but let's read it word for word. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What you need to know to understand the gospel, to understand the gospel first, we're gonna talk about three things that are key tonight. You need to know that God loves you tremendously. Let's break that down. God loves you tremendously. So who is this God? We've talked a lot about him, but here's a few things when we talk about God. He's our creator. He is independent. He is unchanging. He's eternal. He's omnipresent. He, God is Trinity. He's three persons, Father, Spirit, Son, yet one God, equal in all his attributes without imbalance. He's also spirit. He possesses invisibility, meaning that his total essence will never be able to be seen by us entirely, but he still shows himself to us through visible, created things. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. He's truthful. He's faithful. He's good. He's loving. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's patient. He's holy. He's a God of peace and order and justice and righteousness. He's also infinitely just. He's also infinitely full of wrath and will punish sin and wrongdoing. His will is perfect. He decrees things from eternity past, and those things happen just as he decreed, just as he says. He possesses a freedom to act as he wills. He doesn't need our opinions to act and to move amidst the earth. He is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. He is sovereign and supreme. He is perfect. He is blessed. He is a happy and joyful God, contrary to how most of us conjure him up. God is more happy than anyone. He is the author of joy and happiness. He is beautiful and he is glorious. Glory 
from this word kabod, meaning weighty and heavy. That means the beauty of his essence is just how great he is, is so great that it's almost heavy. We can't fully behold his glory. It, it's, it's described oftentimes as a radiant, shining light that we can't be in the presence of. Moses had to hide himself in the cleft of a rock as God's glory passed by. It's heavy, it's beautiful, it's immense. So Okay, a few little things I use to describe little definitions to describe God. And think about this. That is the God who loves you and me. So be amazed. God loves you tremendously. And so what is the next part? What is, what is love? He, excuse me, I'm so sorry. That he, he so loved. Does y'all's Bible say that? That he so loved? This is emphatic. This is tremendous love. This is expressing I would say a drama, right? It's not just that he merely loved, he, he so loved you. We, we say this in breakups, we're so never getting back together, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? We're so in love, oh my gosh, right? You express that, right? Now, in a good way, not in a petty, like whatever weird love way, okay? We use this language in that way to express emphatically about something. We so this or that, but in a beautiful, perfect way, Jesus' love for us, God's love for us, he didn't merely love, he, he so, so loves us. The past couple of years, I've, I've been blessed to get access, I think, to some um, psychology of what's going on, uh, really in, in a lot of us. It's good to study psychology and kind of know some things that are going on. And, and for uh, some people, this may resonate with you, um, when we look at our past and our experiences that we have, some, some negative experiences that we may have, this can be in our upbringing with, with parents or facing disappointments or maybe teachers or, or coaches or pastors in our life. For whatever reason, we have negative experiences and maybe there are some times where we didn't get the affirmation that we needed or the support that we needed or the love shown to us that we needed. And, and psychologists help us to see that what happens over time is that we develop something called a negative cognition. And what that means is we we tell ourselves, even though we don't verbalize it exactly like that, we can so easily tell ourselves, I'm not worthy of love. We can so easily tell ourselves, I will never be loved. Or because of what I've done, no one could ever love me. Or because if that person doesn't love me, if they abandon me, then that must mean I will never be qualified to ever receive love. And you would be amazed as you're able to kind of pick that apart and see that you're telling yourself that lie, you'd be amazed at the breakthrough that people can have when they realize, and that's not true. Like that's a, that's a lie and the freedom that people have. Like there have been people who have had tremendous anxiety and depression that has been uh, basically lifted from realizing that's not true. And so if that's true in just general psychology, friends, imagine the breakthrough that could be possible for you and me if we really believe that the God of the universe that we describe so, so loves you and me. Because get this, we can have a hard time believing this. Other people will like us like mere humans. But God, the one who spoke the world into existence is speaking to you and me with the words, I love you. Man, that's amazing. And so let's reject the lie that you're not worthy of love and experience a breakthrough by embracing the incredible love of God. Amen? Amen. But some of you, as I mentioned, you're going to ask this. How can I trust that God won't stop loving me? How can I trust that when so many people in my life have stopped loving me? 
but so many people have abandoned me or disappointed me. Well, I'm so glad you asked. Let's go back to that word love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. You know the root of that love? The root of that word love um, is agape. That's where we get the, the word love from. It's, it's a Christian love. It's unique. God is the author of it. So often when you see agape, it's a love that has to find its source in God. We, we can't conjure up that kind of love naturally. This is a supernatural, Christian, unique love. Does that make sense to everybody? And so check this out. Because God's love is not like our love, it's, it's perfect. It's agape love. The, the love, actually, that the Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity, have shared amidst each other in perfect holy, beloved community together since eternity past. The same love that the Father has for the Son. He has that love for us in Christ. When he calls us sons and daughters, that's the love we have access to. My Greek New Testament defines uh, agape love as this. It's the little red New Testament that I showed you a few weeks ago. Primarily of Christian love, to show or prove one's love, long for, desire, to place first in one's affection. Y'all hear that? To place first in one's affections. You see, friend, when we believe in the gospel, when God bestows on us the same love that he gives to the son, to Jesus, that we are first in his affections. You, you can trust that God won't stop loving you because the essence of his love is a love that actually shows and proves itself. He actually, it says, has a longing and desire for you. Pastor Zephaniah says that he rejoices over us with singing. He's placed you and me first in his affections. This is God's tremendous, tremendous love for you. Trust and embrace it. Embrace it, excuse me. So to understand the gospel, you need to know first, before we get anything, that, that God, God of the universe, our creator, he so, so loves you. He loves you tremendously. Water break for me, sorry. And the beauty of that is that God has displayed for us eternal proof of his love. So I'm not just making something up. And that's where we look to next. What do you need to know to understand the gospel? Let's read John 3, 16 again. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son. So to understand the gospel, you need to know that God displayed his love by paying the highest price for your soul. Now, whenever we, we read this verse, I've kind of tapped into a little bit what the Trinity is, that God exists as Father, Son, and Spirit. And so we're seeing some Trinitarian language here. Again, God exists as three persons, one, but one God, Father, Son, and Spirit. They're co-equal, they're co-eternal. And look at this, out of an immense act of love, it was the will of the Father that the Son, Jesus, would be given to us as a necessary sacrifice for our sins, to pay the highest price. We sin against God, that demands punishment. Jesus took our place. He paid the highest price for our souls. Scripture sometimes describes the price that Jesus paid using the word ransom. Are you familiar with what a ransom is? So if someone gets captured, uh, usually it's like a wealthy person. They want to, you know, kind of cash in on that person. They'll say, if you'll give us a million dollars, we'll give this person back, right? That's what a ransom is. So I think this is helpful language. I, I searched this past week for the largest sum that's ever been paid for a ransom. Now they, they had to kind of convert um, 
what it would have been in 1974 to today, but y'all, y'all bear with me. Um, in 1974, Jorge and Juan Born were captured by a terrorist group known as Los Monteneros. Really, it's a, a gorilla group, right? Um, and so not gorilla like the animal, but gorilla. You got it? Okay, anyway. Uh, these two men, that would be really funny, like a bunch of gorillas. It would be awesome. <laughs> Gosh, things that you don't put in your notes. Okay. <laughs> Now I can't stop picturing gorillas, guys. Oh, my gosh. All right. These two men were wealthy grain traders in Argentina. And so the Monteneros figured they could get a large sum paid for these men. Like, they're pretty rich. They got a lot of money. Literally, in exchange of the souls of these men, right? That's how a ransom works. And so otherwise, they were going to kill them. And after nine months, nine months of being captured, the largest sum for a ransom in history in 1974, it was $60 million, okay? So that was a lot in 1974, but today that would be worth $293 million for two guys, paid for a ransom, just to get them back, just, just their heads, just their souls. That's pretty crazy. It's a lot to pay for someone's soul, but listen, when we consider the ransom needed to be paid for our souls, given that apart from Christ, when we're, when we're sinners and rebelling against Jesus, we haven't believed in the gospel. Our souls, in a, in a very real sense, belong to Satan before their ransom. Satan has our hearts captive. It says that before Christ, we were in the domain of darkness. And so the ransom Jesus pays is, if we were trying to put it in numbers and we could go quadrillions, it wouldn't, it wouldn't measure up to explain the immensity of all that he has paid for us to be able to be set free. In reality, the highest ransom that has ever been paid and ever will be paid was Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. The, the hymn that we're going to sing in just a few moments, how deep the Father's love for us says, his wounds have paid my ransom. And so what I want you to, to do just for a moment, can we just be amazed at the links that God will go in order to save our souls? We think about $300 million, just multiply that by infinity, 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 and you're still not going to understand the depth of what he paid that you and I may go free, that we may, our souls may be ransomed. A great, great question that you may ask is, why did he have to pay this price? Okay, so why did Jesus have to die? Some of us really get tripped up with that, and, I, and I'm with you there. You can say, I don't understand. And so here's the way I would describe it. You see, just like God possesses an, an, an infinite love, an infinite beauty and glory and, and delight and joy, God is infinite in all his characteristics. His wrath is also infinite. His judgment on sin and his punishment against sin is also infinite. And so sinning against an infinite God has infinite eternal consequences with eternal infinite punishment. And so unless something is done for us, friends, in our sin, the wrath of God, the gospel of John says, actually the wrath of God remains on us, even though you can't see it and feel it uh, like it's an unbeliever, You're, the wrath of God is just on you. And, uh, and the moment you die, that's going to be poured out upon you with, with punishment of eternal hell. And so what did, what did God do? To be set free from this infinite captivity, you need an infinite payment. And so God sent Jesus, 
his only son, the infinite God, infinite creator in the person of the son to pay the necessary price that needed to be paid to free us from our bondage of sin by doing what? By dying on the cross for our sins. Again, friends, be amazed. Be amazed at that, the price that God was willing to pay for your souls. The God who's infinitely loving is also infinitely wrathful against sin, but yet in his infinite wisdom and knowledge and love, he makes a way, he provides a means for us to be forgiven through his son. That's who God is. That's how he proves and shows his so, so lovedness of us. So what do you need to know to understand the gospel? You gotta know that God displayed this tremendous love by paying the highest price for your soul. Water break again. Y'all need a water break too? I'm gonna take a water break. So the question remains, what must we do to gain access to this love. So what I mean is, here's some, here's some facts, right, that we've discussed about God. He loves us tremendously. Okay, I see that he's proved his love. What do I do with that? Was there a tangible action that I need to take? Instead of just, do I sit on the fence with this? It's just, just good to know. Okay, good thing that the God of Christianity is loving. No, I would say we need to figure out what to do with this. So what must we do to gain access to this love? What must we do to gain access to this ransom payment, this eternal forgiveness, this reconciliation to God? Thankfully, John 3.16 tells us. Let's read it again in full. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal Life. What do you need to know to understand the gospel last tonight? You need to know that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In another, way, in other words, to understand the gospel, you need to know that you can be eternally saved and forgiven by simply believing in what Jesus has done for you. So let's unpack that a little bit. <clears throat> whoever. Is that what y'all's version says, that Whoever. I, I love this. Our, our world, our, our culture, our, our nation, our state our, needs, needs to hear this. Whoever is not exclusive to political parties, whoever is not exclusive to race and ethnicity and gender, whoever is not exclusive to wealth, how rich or poor you are, or where you're from. If you've got a West Texas accent like me or a more sophisticated one, like if you're from Dallas or something. <laughs> Whoever, the gospel, again, for every race, skin color, language, tribe, nation, rich or poor. That's what whoever means. And then believes in him. What does that mean? So historically, this kind of faith belief in is described in Latin as credo in diem or credo in diem. The, the in is so crucial. It's a faith that says, not that I just merely believe that Jesus exists or I do merely intellectually kind of assent and just say, yeah, that sounds nice and pretty. No, it is a belief that says I'm all in on the person of 
Jesus and what he has done for me. It, it could have said believes about him or just merely believes that he exists or that he's a nice guy. But truth faith, truth faith says this, friends. Jesus, all that you are, everything about you and all that you've done, I believe. I'm all in. That is the type of belief and faith that actually saves you. Anything else is not true faith. And then it says, should not perish. So whoever believes in him should not perish. And we don't like to talk about perish, but in order to have good news, it's, it's, it's logical that we need to have bad news too, right? Like what's the good news that's relieving us from the bad news? And the bad news is this, is that perishing is a reality for those apart from Christ. We don't like to talk about hell and perishing, but scripture is clear over and over and over again that hell is the eternal punishment for those who reject the gospel and thus have the wrath of God remaining on them for the punishment of their sins. It's a terrible, terrible place and it's eternal. I want y'all to hear what the author, Jonathan Edwards, he's a Puritan um, from, from years past. He says this about the eternality of hell. He said, it would be dreadful to suffer this fierceness and wrath of almighty God one moment, but you must suffer it to all eternity. There will be no end to this exquisite, horrible misery. When you look forward, you will see along forever a boundless duration before you, which will swallow up your thoughts and amaze your soul. And you will absolutely despair of ever having any deliverance, any end, any mitigation, any rest at all. You will know certainly that you must wear out long ages, millions and millions of ages in wrestling with this almighty, merciless vengeance. And then when you have done so, when so many ages have actually been spent by you in this manner, you will know that all is but a point, but a dot to what remains so that your punishment will indeed be infinite. I don't know about you, but I definitely don't want to go there <laughs> and I don't want others to go there. And that is why we talk about the urgency of eternity. That's why our next series is called Reaching the Unreached. Yes, God is all beautiful and glorious and we shouldn't talk about hell as just, hey, getting your fire insurance. We don't believe in Jesus just to not go to hell. But guess what? It's one of the biblical reasons that exist. There is a punishment for us when we don't believe in the gospel, when we shake our fists at God and say, no, I don't want anything to do with you, your creator. There's a punishment for that. But listen to this, listen to this. The song that we sing, for God so loved the world, Whoever believes in him may have what? Eternal life. The song is, we'll live forever. And so the, the good news, friends, we've got to talk about the bad news to understand why the good news is so good. The good news is, is that though we don't deserve it, we do, didn't do anything to earn it, nonetheless, we have good news accessible to us. The reality of hell is horrible and awful, but friends, that does not have to be your reality tonight. By whoever you are in this room, whoever it is in the world, if they believe in Jesus, I believe in all that he's done and all that he is, they will not perish, but they will have eternal life. They'll be forgiven. They'll be reconciled forever. I want you to picture this scene, all right? I want you to picture um, that this is a table right here, this big speaker, all right? You got us. This father has two sons, one on each side. And, and the father decides 
he's gonna prepare this meal, right, um, for his two sons. He's gonna prepare their favorite meal. And I, can, I, can I vote on what their favorite meal is or what it should be? It should be a 16-ounce ribeye, okay, with a baked potato, like not the small one, you know, like not one that's healthy for you, like a massive one that got some hormones in it that made it bigger, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, one of those big old baked potatoes, got some cheese and bacon bits and maybe some A1 steak sauce. I, I like putting that on my baked potato. Anyway, got a nice, beautiful meal. The dad's preparing it. Maybe throw in some veggies, but like put a lot of butter on them and stuff, you know what I mean? Make them not healthy anymore. You know what I mean? It's just the father's prepared this wonderful, wonderful meal. He's even made their, their best dessert ever, which is uh, my wife's chocolate chip cookies. He got the recipe um, somehow. I don't know how he did it. Um, stop talking to my wife, dude. Um, anyway, the father sets this beautiful meal. He's done all the work. He's prepared it for his two sons. And, and, and the one son uh, on the right, he looks at the meal just kind of stares at it indifferently. He, he gets up and he walks off. He never, he never partakes of the meal. The other son, the father looks at him and says, hey man, are you, you gonna eat? And it's like, heck yeah, I'm eating. This is my favorite meal. <laughs> my brother's an idiot. I don't know what he's doing. He takes it and starts getting in a steak and just and enjoys, enjoys the steak, enjoys the baked potato, enjoys the best cookies you'll ever have. And when you look at that story, you see the father, he did all the work. He even set out the, the silverware and the plates and he even cleaned up afterwards. He did all the work. And let me ask you, the son who walked away, um, he definitely didn't contribute to the meal, but the son who picked up the fork and began eating, would you give him credit for making the meal? No. He just partook of the meal. Friends, that's how the gospel is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He's, he's prepared something for us. He's made in Christ a provision for us to be forgiven and reconciled. And we need only to partake of what he has prepared for us and made for us by our belief in the gospel. Amen? We didn't do anything to earn it. By believing in the gospel, you're not, you're not, you're doing any, you're not doing anything. You're actually confessing finally in your life at that moment, I can't do it. I'm done trying. I see that everything my life has amounted to to this point has been absolutely pointless. I see that I can't earn favor with God. I see that I can't go to church enough. I see that I, my good works can't outweigh the bad. I see that, God, and I believe in you. That's, that's a picture of what the gospel is. <clears throat> to partake of the goodness of God, friends, by believing in the gospel. And some people are so, get so caught up in this, right? Like you'll say, man, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Like that, that seems too easy, right? Like just, just believe? Like that's it? Like I feel like I need to accompany this with some, some of my own works, right? Kind of accompany this with like, okay, God, I'm gonna believe in the gospel and I promise I'm never gonna get drunk again. I'm gonna believe in this and God, I promise I'm never gonna have sex outside of marriage again. God, I'm going to believe in this. I promise I'm never going to cuss again. God, I'm going to believe in this. And I promise I'm, I'm never going to gossip about someone. I'm never going to slander. I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to get out of this relationship that I know I shouldn't be. I promise. We, we think that when we come to God, that's a lot of problems in the room right now. Even for those of you that are believers, you think that you contributed to your salvation. 
You think that it's Jesus plus you a little bit equals something. And the fact is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And if you want, want proof, if you, if you think it sounds so easy, the Bible's so clear, we don't, we don't contribute to our salvation. Titus 3, 4, and 5 says this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So you can't be saved by works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that of not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Romans three twenty, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Romans three twenty eight. for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. 2 Timothy 1, 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Would you agree that we are not saved by works? (laughs) Friends, belief in the gospel is all that we can offer. God, we we yield up, we we take the, the fork and just partake in the meal that he's prepared for us and say, thank you, God, thank you. So to understand the gospel, we need to see, Lord, it's only by the grace and mercy of Jesus that I can be saved. You need to know, you need to know, friends, that you can be saved by simply believing in what Jesus has done for you. It's a total act of grace and mercy on his behalf. And we simply embrace that by believing in what theologians call the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for you and for me. Water break again, sorry. Y'all, I can't announce it like it's necessary. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Here's the thing about the gospel. It's not enough to just know what it is. It's not enough to just understand it. There is one thing that you must do. And your decision to do this or not changes everything, okay? So what I'm saying tonight, if you don't reckon what we've talked about tonight, but you enjoyed all the other weeks of the, of the apologetic series, I'm sorry, that was in vain. I love talking about it. But if you don't reckon what we talked about tonight with your life, it's been in vain. So let's look at this. What am I talking about? One thing you must do, your decision to do this or not changes everything. It's an eternal decision, I want you to go back to John chapter three. I mentioned to you about a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man like we can be, men and women in the room, that he didn't know what he didn't know. He was asking Jesus all these questions and Jesus even responded one time like, aren't you a teacher of Israel and you not know these things? Not making fun of him, but just pointing out you don't know what you don't know. And you can tell that, that Nicodemus was a little bit nervous as a religious leader, as a skeptic, trying to identify if he really believed Jesus who he said he was because he didn't go to Jesus in the day. Nicodemus actually went to Jesus by night. And it's not clear from John chapter three, but check this out later in John chapter 19, 
This is, would have been a while after he had this dialogue with Jesus. We, don't, we, we didn't know if Nicodemus believed in what Jesus said. Like the scene just ends. You can read it yourself later tonight. It just ends. It doesn't say what Nicodemus did. Later in John chapter 19, we see Nicodemus helping with Jesus' burial after Jesus was crucified. And what scholars generally agree is that because Nicodemus did this in, in the light for all to see, this was basically him saying, I, I believe in who this man said he was. That he put a lot on the line to, to help with Jesus being buried. And we know, we know the story. Three days later, he rose from the dead. So I want you to look at, look at Nicodemus. Look at the skeptic. Look at the person that was on the fence with Jesus, like maybe some of you have been. He was on the fence. He didn't, he didn't want to make a decision. He didn't want to reconcile the truths that he was seeing right before him with a life decision that could change his life forever. He went from coming to Jesus in the dark to bringing his faith to the light. And so my suspicion in this room tonight is there are some that may now have an understanding of the gospel, but you've never believed it. And maybe before tonight, you didn't know what you didn't know. And it's time to reconcile what you've learned with a real life decision to believe in the gospel tonight. In other words, you've been on the fence for so long. And tonight, what I want to do is to invite you to believe in what Jesus has done for you. Friends, he, he loves you tremendously. The God of the universe who spoke the world into creation is speaking to you and I, I love you. He's shown this love by sacrificing himself on the cross through Jesus, his son, paying the ransom for our soul. And now he invites you tonight to believe in his finished work that he accomplished for you. Pick up the fork and eat is what he says to us. Nicodemus is a man who once came to Jesus in the dark, but, but after he believed in who Jesus was, he brought his faith out into the light for all to see. And, and that's, that's what I want to invite you into tonight. Step out of the darkness and into the light. Take the truths that you know about Jesus deep within you. Take what we talked about in this series And bring them to light by publicly declaring these words for everyone, for God tonight, and saying, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe. I'm going to have our journey staff going to come to the front and be available up here. We don't normally do something like this, but we're going we're gonna to go ahead and drop the lights down um, for um, kind of a response setting. And what I want to ask you to do is I want you um, to bow your head and close your eyes. And as you, as you do that, some of you have been in church, you know kind of what an invitation to believe in the gospel looks like. And I want you to know my heart behind this. I believe if God's working on your heart, then that's up to him. This is not pressuring you into any decision. That's, that's his work. That's not my agenda tonight because we love and care about you. But what we want to do is create a space for some of you that God may be working on tonight, maybe working on your heart. And so tonight, if you feel like God's tugging on your heart with everyone, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes in this room, no one's going to be looking around and spying on anybody. 
But if that's you, if God's been working on your heart and you may want to say tonight, I want to come out of darkness and into the light. I want to believe in Jesus. Would you just look up here and make eye contact with me for a few moments? Amen. Amen. God's working on your heart. Just a quick, quick look so I can know who's in this room, who's working on. Praise God. Praise God for that. There may be some of you who, that's terrifying to even look up, and that's fine. What I encourage you to do is in your connect group leaders, if God's working on your heart in that way, would you just talk with them and let them talk that through? And here's what I'm going to ask. We have people up at the front. Everyone's heads are still bowed, please, and eyes closed. Um, if you were one of the person, one of the people that looked up at me and made eye contact with me and say, God's working in my life. I want to step out of darkness into light. I want to believe in the gospel tonight. I want to just ask you to boldly, would you, as everyone in still has their heads bowed and eyes closed, would you, would you come to the, the front and talk with one of our residents so they can, they can pray with you? That's one of you. If God's moving in your heart, no one's looking at you. No one's, you don't have to worry about what keeps your privacy. Just come to the front and talk with one of our staff if that's you tonight. We'd love to talk through that decision with you. We're going to be up here for a few moments while Maddox leads us in worship. And man, I know that's bold to ask you to come up here, but we'll Tonight may be your night to step out of darkness and into the light. And I'm just going to ask you, if God's tugging on your heart, don't, don't resist that. <laughs> Embrace his grace tonight and, and draw near to him. He loves you tremendously. There may be some of you that you were reminded of the gospel tonight and you, you've forgotten it. You, you've reminded of God's love. And we welcome you if you want to come talk about that too. We'll pray with you through that, those things. He loves us. He's shown us love through the cross. He's calling us to believe tonight. Embrace his grace tonight and draw near to him. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing. Some of us are, are struggling to put this into tangible action, but I ask that you would move in such a clear way, God, that you would bring needy sinners just like I once was and many of us once were to repentance and belief in the gospel, that they would embrace you as loving Embrace what you've done for us on the cross. Lead us now as we respond in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.